Hey everybody, you're listening to Big Things with Zach Miko, and on today's episode, I sit down with model and opera singer, Alex Frankel. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the theme song. All right, and everyone, welcome to Big Things with Zach Miko. As always, I am your host, Zach Miko. I hope everybody is having a great day. I'm having a great day because it's Sunday, because I'm recording the day before, because, you know, you got to record before the thing comes out. It's Sunday, and I am going to WrestleMania today, guys. I am so excited. This is like a childhood dream come true. It's the Super Bowl of wrestling, and I cannot wait. My best friend Jason and his brother Patrick are coming to pick me up as we speak, and I'm going to head over there, and I cannot wait because I love it. And you know what? It's cool. I know some people think wrestling's lame, but I love it, so I'm, I'm, I'm crazy excited. I got my Andre the Giant shirt on, and I cannot wait to go there. Um, but we have a great episode for you today. Guys, I sit down with opera singer, model, all-around amazing person, Alex Frankel. Uh, we met a, I don't even remember what we met, maybe like two years ago or something. He's one of the next big up-and-comers in this brawn movement. He's a professional opera singer. Uh, he's worked for Target. He does a lot of incredible editorial work. He's an absolutely awesome guy, and you guys are going to love him. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, my interview with Alex Frank. Ladies and gentlemen, I am sitting here with opera singer and model, or model and opera singer. Which one do you want first? I, let's do opera singer first. Ex- opera singer and model. Alex Frankel, everybody. What's happening? Not much, Zach. How are you? Good. you got to be so much closer to the mic. I it's don't. It's crazy. Okay. I'm not used to using microphones. There I don't use go. microphones in my life. No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. There we go. Perfect. Perfect. Um, for those of you who don't know, Alex is an amazing up-and-coming slash established slash... I don't know. We don't know how this... This is a brand new industry for all of us. So yeah. I never know how to like... I always are like, someone referred to me as a veteran big and tall model the other day. I'm like, the industry's three years old. Yeah, what are it you hasn't existed about? long enough for anyone. <laughs> if anyone is a veteran, it's Miguel. Yeah, Because no, he was exactly. doing this before the industry existed. No, exactly. Right. So it's so funny how it works out that way. But anyway, welcome. Let's start at the very beginning, because we were talking a whole bunch off mic, and now we're going to talk on mic. But first, I need to little, know a little bit more about you, and so does everyone else. Where are All you right. from originally? I am from the Bay Area, uh, from a place called Walnut Creek, California. So I always tell people I'm from San Francisco, because it's way easier to say San Francisco. Yep, I got roped into a job telling me I was going to San Francisco, and I went to Fremont, Fremont. California. Yeah, Fremont and San Francisco are not the same thing. They're very far. I was even looking. I was like, oh, I'll take maybe, because the BART was like kind of nearby. I was like, maybe I'll take the BART, and I'll go in. And they're like, yeah, it's going to take you two and a half hours. Yeah, like transfer there. three times. And I was like, oh. Oh, never mind. Right. It's I like trying I'll... to get to Brooklyn from Washington Heights. Yeah. Or oh. no, Queens from Washington Heights. 
Why can't you get from the west side to Queens? It's so weird. Well, you can if you take the M60 bus, but then exactly. it's That's a the whole thing. thing. There should just be a train that goes from 168th Street all the way across. First... I want them to get uh, the trains that do exist working. The, yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. That's that's a fair point. Because if <laughs> then we can start worked. adding other trains, right? Um, so great. So how far out is that from? It's Thirty-five minutes east of San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. So I actually was just there last week uh, to do a couple of concerts with my hometown orchestra. My best friend is a conductor, and he flew me out, and it was really fun to like be in a place where that you can feel the sunshine. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, I am so over New York. I I mean, I'm not over New York. I'm deep. This is what sucks about New York in general is every person who it gets it, it's hooks into you. And you're like, because now I'm like, I'm so in love with this city. I can't go anywhere. I can't leave. Mm -hmm. But it it doesn't want me to be here. It's like being in a city that does everything to make you leave at all times. Every time. Yeah. Yeah, You just walk, even just driving here. I was, I was 15 minutes late just because people decided that I was driving up and I was like, Oh, I'm going to make it on time. And NYPD just closed down the street. There was nothing on the street, but they're just waving everybody. They're like, no, you can't come in here. Why? We don't know. Yeah. Because you don't deserve to get anywhere on time. Exactly. It's just not going to happen. Because you were doing good. You planned ahead. You left at the correct time. Right. And now you're not going to. Exactly. Uh, Do you have any brothers and sisters? I have. My family situation is an interesting one because my my father is 87 years old, so I am okay. I am from the third marriage, I believe. I am the youngest, and I better be the favorite. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you are now at right? the moment. But, oh, well, thank you. No, I have two older <laughs> half-brothers who, uh, who I was pretty close to when I was a kid because they okay. were, like, literally my age now when I was born. Jeez. Um, so, okay. yeah, they corrupted the ever-living shit out of me. Like, they were huge deadheads. We, when I was... Four years old, we owned a hemp clothing store in San Francisco, and oh Woody God. Harrelson was one of the underwriters on it. I remember I was like beautiful four one time hanging out while Woody was teaching a yoga class in the store. I'm like, Woody so, teaches yoga? Woody teaches yoga. I Woody mean, also, I guess he does. Speaking of other things that I do, I teach chess to three-year-olds, and yeah, Woody do. Harrelson uh, is a huge chess buff. Um, and out. I don't know if uh, Laura told you this or not, but at the, he was the ceremonial first move person at the World Chess Championship, and he like intentionally made the wrong move. Which I don't know if you've ever been in a room full of real chess people, but they're like really full of personality. What did? Okay, I'm trying to remember. So, so my wife also teaches chess, just for, so the world knows. Very small world. I know two chess teachers in my life now. Right. Um, but um, I can't remember the name. She she calls them, because, you know, if she teaches kids, I think she calls it, like, Don't Move Charlie or something. It's like Never Move Nelson. I don't know. She has a cute name for him. Oh, I but forgot. But it's the one pawn that if you do move him, you can get checkmated in two moves. So it was if, that pawn. Oh my God. It was that pawn. But, uh, no, but before that, if you knock over the king in a game of chess, it means yeah. I quit. Yeah. And he intentionally knocked the king over on the first move of the World Chess Championship. And it was this like unbelievable moment in the room where you know someone like <laughs> dropped a grenade and you're all just waiting for it to go off. <laughs> and everyone's just kind of looking at each other like, is it gonna happen? Is it gonna happen? And like, the referee's like, yeah, no, 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 no. Let's try count. this again. Yeah. <laughs> Let's I was going to say, again. whose move was he technically taking? The Americans' move. So oh, it was the first time there was worse. an American challenger since Bobby Fischer. It was like this a whole- is, I was watching this the other day. This was because um, he was going against um, uh, b- b- Magnus Carlsen mm-hmm. is his name. Yep. The grand champion who's been champion for forever. Fucking ever. And is younger than both of us. I know. <sighs> it's really infuriating. I know. It's like getting, it's like when all the, all the players on your favorite sports teams are younger than you now, and you're like, no, they all are. Oh. I'm, I'm turning 30 in 
June. I had to think about my birthday. Um, and yeah, now every single sports star is like not just younger than me, like significantly. Right. That's the, why it's fun to watch baseball again because everyone's 40 years old. Bartolo like, Cologne, dude. <laughs> yeah. Bartolo Cologne. <laughs> And, of course, we had a little bit of a malfunction there. It happens. That's fine. You, you missed a very in-depth uh, talk about high school wrestling. And but how other, terrible it is. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> other than that, everything Really, the malfunction the was a service to all of you listening. Exactly. So don't worry. Right. So um, I don't, don't even remember if we said we, where you were from. Uh, we Sam, did San Francisco, but we went to the performing stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So real quick, we, were, we did talk about how, um, as a bigger guy, you're expected to do all these sports. And all of it. How many of them did you play? You uh, did football, wrestling. Football, wrestling, baseball. I did, I did track and field for one season and did shot put and discus because, of course, they want all the they big do. guys they to do They take every, every big guy. Is, a, is approached by every single high school coach just assuming we have athletic ability right. entirely based on size. Exactly. And like, you know, I, I never played basketball. I was terrible at basketball. The lacrosse team always tried to get me to play goalie because I would take up the whole goal. Oh, my God. Yeah, all that stuff. So then I became a musician. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so how did, you, how did you transition from being the big sports kid? Or, I mean, you probably did it simultaneously, I, did, I think. I did both. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't... My freshman year of high school, I was really concerned. I let, we're gonna go back even further. When I was in middle school, uh -huh. I was like the I was the fattest kid at my school, and I was the target. Yeah, I was fucking bullied, and oh, I yeah. ended up changing districts because it was so bad. I went Jesus. to a different high. Yeah, it was really bad, and I ended up going to a completely different high school where no one knew me, and I saw it as a really it was like a healthy and unhealthy thing because I saw it as this great opportunity where I could like reinvent my whole self. No yeah. one there knew me. Yeah. Um, but I was also this like weird emo goth kid who like all of a sudden was on the varsity football team. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, it was it was a very weird. It was like, oh, th okay, this is what my life is right now. This yeah. is and I, and I was not ready to deal with it. But then like once football season ended and I wasn't the big guy on the football team anymore and I started doing theater and all this other stuff, that's when the bullies kind of came back out of the framework a little bit. And we're, we were, we didn't have role models like us when we were little kids. No, no, there were no, if you were big, you were, so, I mean, Chris Farley, Chris Farley was big, but Chris Farley ended up fucking dying because of how he could not handle not being the fat funny guy because he thought that was the only way that yeah. he had any value. Exactly. I mean, that happened to so many of our, our, our... We were told very early on, like, you could be... Oh, you're a fat kid. Okay, cool. You can be funny and do funny things and not be funny like you are really, like... So there's this guy, uh, John Panette is one of my favorite Love comedians. Him. He's amazing. I say nay nay. Exactly. Yeah. Not funny like him. We were allowed to be funny like Chris Farley doing physical humor, mm -hmm. like Andy Milanakis, like making just like. Good reference. I haven't heard that name in I a know, long time. Right? I know, He was big when we were in high school. He I don't was. know what. Like, we like the. Um, Doing the truffle shuffle yep. and stuff like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think every fat kid in the world dreads Dreaded that. the truffle shuffle because every group of guy friends wanted you to do it, mm -hmm. and half of them hadn't even fucking seen Goonies. Exactly. They just heard it. And they're exactly. Like, oh, do the truffle shuffle. Fuck you. I know. You do the fucking truffle shuffle. I know. <laughs> Which, like, it's so funny to look at, like, especially... Like Goonies and stuff like that, like our old uh, movies that we loved as kids that now as an adult and now with, like, 
our kind of heightened social consciousness, we're just like, oh, these do not stand the test of do time. Do not fly anymore. These are really, really bad. Yeah, bad. And yeah. I mean, it was, it was, I, I actually, there is a video floating around somewhere and, uh, uh, Jeanette Wallen, if you happen to hear this and you still have that VHS, uh, my friend and I in high school for like a thing, I somehow got finagled in by a girl I had a crush on to remake how it does. the Patrick Swayze, Chris Farley, Chippendale sketch. Of course. Which was like simultaneously the most shameful moment of my high school existence, but also like... Again, you have to be funny. and But people, that's the way you were expected to be. Yeah, like, and I felt like that was required of me to fit in. Yeah. Which, like, fast forward to my mid-20s and all my weight loss, like, and realizing that the person that I was after losing 150 pounds was the same person with the same insecurities, but people just treated me different because the yeah. shell looked more appealing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that I, I, it's the same. It wasn't until I started modeling professionally that I am started to, like, recognize and deal with my own insecurities mm -hmm. on a daily basis where it's like I didn't realize how much they permeated into everything I did. Yeah. I finally had stopped apologizing just randomly. I would apologize for everything. everything. It didn't matter what happened. They'd be like, oh, hey, Zach. Um, it's like, hey, can you grab me a soda? And I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't think to grab you one already. And I'm like, it's just a constant thing of like apologizing and um kind of like giving people reason to have you around. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because you don't feel worthy otherwise. No, no. It, being the big guy, we had to establish our value to a group of friends. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like, and it's good. I mean, that's the thing is it, it's you end up developing good qualities because of it. I'm very loyal. I'll help anyone with mm -hmm. anything, especially if you're my friend. I'll drop everything to make sure you're okay. But it kind of came from a insecure place of mm -hmm. like this is what I can offer this person yeah. is like like we talk about you know back in like the dating world being like the friend zone guy I would I was that guy which mm -hmm. now again as an adult I look back and I realize the friend zone is a made-up bullshit thing mm -hmm. that um, no again again no woman uh, owes me <laughs> to be in a relationship with me or anything like that yeah but you know I had to go through 30 years of growth to figure that shit out exactly and um, but still, but I would still like subject myself. I would do, uh, but I'd, you know, do anything I could for anybody. Anyone who would give you attention. Anyone who'd give me attention. Yeah. Anyone who would laugh at me and they could make fun of me. They could do anything as long as I was allowed to hang out. Exactly. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's shitty. It really is. And it really is shitty. And like to all of those little fat kids out there, it does get like, it gets better. It gets way better. <laughs> it gets so much better. And musical theater helps it get better. Yes, it <laughs> I does. I don't know why, but that was, that, that was like the first, I think for me, drama club was like the first inkling mm -hmm. of acceptance I got. The first like little hint of like, because, you know, drama club is... All of the outcasts all kind the of coming kids. together to do their stuff. And by all the weird kids, I mean all the cool kids. All the, all the really cool kids. Mm -hmm. One time, so this one girl that I had the biggest crush on in my entire life back in the day. I left her a note in middle school that I signed <laughs> with an alias because I was nervous. So I signed it The Fox, which was <laughs> fucking, oh, it was bad. It was really, really bad. Um, and then apparently, and like, I was like, oh, and, and you know, in my head, I'm like, I'm gonna have this like romantic secret admirer thing with her within like five minutes of me putting the note in her locker. One of her friends come over is like, did you put this in so-and-so's locker? I'm like, what? What, what are you, 
what are you talking about? Oh. And they're just like, uh, well, you know, Veronica, I'm making up names. Veronica saw you and you put this in so-and-so's locker. And I was like, oh, no, no, I didn't. They're like, buddy, we saw you. Like, don't lie about it. And I was like, how do I get out of this? And I was like, well, I don't think I did. Um, <laughs> you know what? Did I sign at the Fox? Because I do that sometimes. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> And the worst part was the girl who had gotten the note had been kind enough not to show the note to her friends. That's so good. when I was like, did I sign it to Fox? Because I do that sometimes. This other girl was like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> like, what do you mean? You just, I was like, oh, this sucks. I it's like know. when you come home late at night and your parents are like, what did you do? It's like, oh, I totally wasn't smoking pot in the docks. No, no way. Exactly. No, exactly. No, no, it's no, no. like, oh, it was, it was rough. But, but yeah, that same girl later on, like I kind of met up with like in like post in like college and after college and we started hanging out and you know, she said something about like, she's like, yeah, well, you know, you were one of the popular kids. You're one of the cool kids in school. And I was like, are you time out rewind? And she goes, yeah, you were like the really cool kid in school. Cause you like, you know, you did all these things and you didn't care what people thought. And I was like, I cared immensely what people thought mm -hmm. I went through high school like I was like well you're telling me now this whole time I could have been one of the cool kids and but in my head I'm like no I'm one of the cool kids now that you're thinking back to high school yeah. no one wanted to fucking hang out with me then nobody did now it's we're all adults and you're just like you know what that kid was pretty cool yeah and once you're an adult the bar is so much lower for what constitutes not the bar is higher but also lower for what constitutes a good person because it's exactly. so hard to find a cool person oh my god like, I know whew. I know. Yeah. But so, yeah, how did you get into theater? So it, my my mom put me in a theater program when I was 3 years old. Okay. Yeah, and it that those were my people. We were yeah. all the weird social outcasts. Like nobody cared that I had man boobs when I was 3 years old and yeah. it's like you know what I mean? It's just like it's just accepting. Um, and it gave me an opportunity to find something that I was really good at and mm -hmm. to, you know, we, I personally think that no one becomes a performer that has a happy life story. We have to ha find a way to kind of process all of our shit, oh, yeah. whatever it may be. Um, and we have just chosen to do it in like the most terrifyingly vulnerable way possible. I know. Um, and it's always like freaky when you find out later on, like how weird it is to be a performer mm -hmm. because like they list the number one fears, like the highest fears of Americans, number one is speaking in public. Mm -hmm. Number two is death. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, wait, what do you mean? You're scared of death second? Right. Most people are like, I cannot give a speech. I will not talk to a group of people. And that's what we grew up just, you know, being Do theater it. kids, like this is just what I do. And what a f what a funny dichotomy that is too. Is like being the bigger guys in the room. Like we are so afraid and self conscious of what everyone thinks of us. Yet here we are, still willing to put ourselves in front of everybody. Oh yeah, right. Well, it's it's exactly it, it's it's craving acceptance. Yeah, and it's it's almost like desperately flailing for acceptance. I'm yeah. like, I'll do all this stuff in front of you. Just tell me you like me. Please tell me you yeah, like me. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so that's what I'm still. That's still my career is me being like, please tell me you like tell, me. Tell, well, I'm a, tell me, tell me I'm good. Yeah, just tell me T I'm good. Just pat me on the back, please. please. Tell me, tell me I'm good. Oh. Yeah. So I, my, I'm not used to microphones. Um, I know. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I grew up doing musical theater and theater and sang in choirs. Mm -hmm. And my high school experience was like, I was an, a varsity athlete. And I was the section leader in chorus. And I had like, I was in two choirs at school. I had three periods of performing arts every day my last three years of high school. Jeez. And I, was, I would do other projects outside of school. And I was very lucky that at a public high school, we had a vocal program 
that the school invested in. We had vocal coaches and voice teachers who would come to school three, four days a week, if I remember correctly, and they were out being professionals in the world. Yeah. Which, like, first of all, being a professional musician in San Francisco is a completely different ballgame than trying to do it here. Yeah. Because there's, I mean, literally a third as many opportunities. And one of the guys, um, uh, this guy Chip Grant, asked me if I wanted to be in the chorus of Don Giovanni with a little opera company in San Francisco my senior year of high school when I was 17. And he was like, I'll give you $150. Like, you had me at $150. <laughs> $150. That's, a, that's, all, that's all the money. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, like, I don't yeah. have any bills. That's all the money I have. Exactly. The amount of Taco Bell I can buy. Oh, dude. <laughs> Jack in the box. We didn't have Jack in the Box Ooh. in Connecticut. For us, it was Taco Bell. For we us, used- it was we went to Taco Bell. God, every you could start to. Um, it was. In, I remember senior year when I had a car. I would leave campus in order to get food. We were not allowed to leave campus for mm-hmm. lunch in my high school, but I finagled my way where I just would always do it. I would just leave. I would just go oh, yeah. and I'd come back, and you know, it was like a free period or someone. No one noticed, so I just left and came back and did it. Yeah. I knew which doors I could get in. Yeah. <laughs> I would leave. I would go. If I was going to do it because I was like the producer of the theater club, mm-hmm. so I was I was I could be in the theater whenever I wanted. I right. had like this weird free reign to be like I'm not going to class. I got, you know, theater stuff to work right. on. And so I'd do is I'd go to the theater and then I'd go out like the side emergency exit which had the little bar for the emergency thing, but it didn't do anything. It was just there. So <laughs> and then I'd open it and then I'd like stick a piece of wood or a shoe in the door <laughs> and then I'd go get Taco Bell and then I'd come back, go to the side of the building, go not very good security. Let's yeah, just say that. right. <laughs> I was right. able to get in whenever I needed. That's hilarious. Oh man. So yeah, so so <clears throat> Chip asked me to be in this chorus and I did it and it was Amazing. Um, was that your first experience doing opera? That was my first experience. I, at that point in my life, I was dead set on doing musical theater. I was like, yeah. I am going to be the next Zero Mostel. God damn it. That's yeah, what every 17-year-old thinks. Maybe not Zero Mostel, but definitely every, every 16, 17-year-old in musical theater is like, this is my life now. Yeah. Forever. This is what I'm going to do. Exactly. Now... The caveat with the whole musical theater thing is I am the shittiest dancer on the planet. Same. Yep. Um, my, my ex-girlfriend was a ballerina at San Francisco Ballet, and she tried to teach me how to dance, and her exact words were, I love you, but you're hopeless. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I, the funniest story is after I was an opera singer for a few years and like moved to New York and did it professionally and, and got my degree and performed at Carnegie Hall and did all of these things, I ran into a choreographer I do, grew up doing theater with. Oh, this poor woman had to teach me how to dance in so many shows. Oh, man. And, and by teach me, I mean like try to drive choreography into my head only to watch it be shit on by a giraffe that had three legs. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we met at the gym and we were playing the what are you doing with your life dance? And I was like, oh, I'm an opera singer. I've done this, this, this. And she goes, oh, did you quit musical theater because you were a shitty dancer? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, Diane, that think- is exactly why. <laughs> I don't think anything <laughs> drives men specifically, not, not so much women, but I don't think anything drives men out of musical theater more than not being able to dance. Dude, yeah. It was the same with me. When I moved to the city, <clears throat> you know, in, I wanted to do musical theater mm-hmm. when I moved to the city. Uh, I quickly was like, oh, I am hopelessly outclassed. Yeah. Like, hopelessly <laughs> so. Specifically in dancing, I was like, these guys have been dancing since they were two. Mm-hmm. The problem is with moving to New York City to do theater is you're, you were, when you moved to New York, you were one of the best wherever you came from. Mm-hmm. Wherever your little hometown was, 
you were one of the best performers there and people told you you could be on Broadway and people told you what a great voice you had and how much they loved your play and how your uh, version of Miss Saigon with 15 year olds was just as good as Broadway's. Oh yeah. And you're like, of course, yay. So <clears throat> then you go to New York and then you find out the problem is with you coming there and being the best one from your hometown Everyone in New York is the best from their hometown. Yeah, and then every single person is the the best already. The best, and yeah. then and then you have the kids that I'm starting to like work with now in my job teaching chess to three year olds. Like, which by the way, income inequality. Yeah, <laughs> holy shit! But the I teach I at a school up in the Bronx where the parents, a lot of the parents are actors, and I have this one student who both of her parents are currently in Broadway shows, and she's four, and it is so abundantly obvious what this child is going to end up doing with her life. Yeah. Because, like, she, whenever she gets that, like, I can't focus on anything because I want attention wiggle that I recognize because that's me every yep. day of my life, <clears throat> I'm like, all right, Elliot, stand up, sing Let It Go. Yeah. Oh, and good. not only does she sing every word, full performance. Oh, yeah. Not oh. just a little bit. Like, um, here's everything. I right. choreographed it in my room. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do it the way they do it in the movie. So that, my, my bed's over here. So this is the way. Imagine this is a mountain. I'm coming down. And yeah, they just go for it. Yeah. And it's, I mean, not only does she sound great, but like it's perfect. All the words. It's, it's ridiculous. And then yeah. that's your competition too. Like the kids who you know, who grew up the, inside of it. And had like stage moms. Like every now and then when I do you know, because I'll do shoots, especially around like Father's Day and stuff. Mm -hmm. They'll give me like a, f a fake child. I mean, right. it's a real child, just not my child. Right. And they'll be like, this is your kid for today. Right. And the kids that are doing that, they've been doing it since the, as long as since they were two years old. Mm -hmm. They were doing commercials and oh, doing yeah. stuff like that. I have and a they student, like have it down. I have a student who is more successful than me as a model. And she hasn't even existed as long as I have been a model. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Great. Amazing. That's that's annoying. A little bit. Oh, my God. So um, when did you move to New York? 2011. 2011. 2011. So, ooh, eight years. Good job. Yeah. You're doing well. I've survived. I did, I, for me, it was 2009. So nice. I'm a, I, they tell you. So I want to see the same thing happen to you. When I moved here, I was told that I had to live here for five years before I was an official New Yorker. Yes. And then I lived here for five years, and I said, I'm an official New Yorker now. And everyone went, no, 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 it's 10 years. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? They're like, you had to be here 10 years. Now I've hit my 10-year, and even like my New Yorker friends, they're like, ah, you're, you're a transplant. And I'm like, shut up. Don't. I, I've lived here longer <laughs> than most places. Right. Like, like, do you know how annoying I am when I go anywhere else because it's not New York? <laughs> My wife, Laura, is from Georgia, and I am I must be so obnoxious and infuriating to everybody, especially in a grocery store, because like a personal space isn't a thing mm -hmm. I think about. Like we had a lady yell at not yell at me, but like be so shocked because I go and she's standing and she's looking at butter and I needed butter. So I like kind of went up to her and I just kind of like reached around her and grabbed butter and she like threw her hands up. She's like, oh, excuse me. Am I in your way? <laughs> And I was like, and I was like, I was taking back. I was like, what? No, you're you're not in my way at all. Like, right. I was like, I didn't touch you. What are you talking about? Like, right. But you forget that uh, in not New York, people don't come like within inches of you. Oh yeah. Whereas like in New York, <laughs> living in New York is having someone constantly touching you at all times. At all times. So one of my, <laughs> I 
I run around the city. I will cover so many different neighborhoods around New York City every yeah. day doing my job of like today. Luckily today I was at a school, so I was in Tribeca the whole morning, but then I had a break in between where I had to run up to the East Village to go teach another lesson and then come back to Tribeca and then go to the Upper West Side, then back down to Midtown, right? Uh -huh. I run over, run around all day, so I'm always on the train and I'm always surrounded by people. And I have just like taken it upon myself to be like the social justice warrior of the subway. Like take your fucking backpack off. When yeah. you're on a packed train. Nope, yep, you put it at your feet. Put it at your feet, then another person can come in. Yeah. <laughs> like, we all go in the middle of the train. We can do this. I get so we, mad when you open it up and everyone is standing right there when the door opens, but yeah. I can see that there's no one standing in like the little aisle between the seats. And I'm mm -hmm. just like, fucking move it's like, go, in, Go please. that way, go that way. Although there is something about when you are in the middle mm -hmm. and you get to your stop and the train's full, there's always that little panic where you're like, this is the day. I'm not going to get to the door before it closes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go to the next place. Because you're like, one of these days, I'm not going to be able to like push right. through and get off in time. Exactly. Especially with the people who, as soon as the door opens, even if people need to get off, it's always... They go right in. And it's always an old lady. It's always like an, an uh, like a, you know woman in her 60s always just plows her way on the mm -hmm. second the door and opens. And she's surprisingly strong, She too. is. Can just like, oh, she's lived here all her life. Mm -hmm. This is what she does. But it's kind of like, then you're even more mad at her. I'm like, you live here all your life, and you still don't let people off the train. Right. You just like push your way on, right. and you're like, to hell with everybody else. Exactly. Uh, did you start doing musical theater as soon as you moved here? Uh, no, I was, or I, attempting was I was there already of? an opera singer at that point. So, so that you've made the transition. Yeah, so it was my <laughs> senior year in high school, and I did that show, and I totally fell in love with the art form. Yeah. And there was this guy, that, we did Don Giovanni. Yeah. Um, brilliant Mozart opera. If anyone hasn't listened to it, listen to you it. You named one of the four or five operas I know, so I was very yes. happy about that. <laughs> so the guy singing the Don, being that I, at the time, was still doing musical theater, um, he had won a Tony Award in 2003 when Baz Luhrmann did Bohem on Broadway. Oh, okay. And I remember the first rehearsal where I like saw him, my jaw hit the floor. I was like, you are the most electric, dynamic performer I've ever seen in my life. I've never heard a voice like yours. And I went right up to him like, do you teach? <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, and I started <clears throat> studying with him, and he became a really close friend and a really close mentor, and yeah. I would have like three, four lessons a week, and... After about, a, we were preparing for my musical theater college auditions, actually. Um, and afterward, when they were done, he's like, yeah, fuck musical theater. You need to be an opera singer. Yeah. No, as, as a person who did musical theater, who does not have the, opera is such a hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. I can't fucking do it at all. Like, I grew up. We like, don't know that for sure. I mean, that's the thing. I, well, okay. I know that I can't do it without devoting a shitload of time right. and effort to and it. And money. And that's the problem. That, not the problem. That's what's good about opera. If you want to be good at opera, you it's it's not a thing you dabble in. Because no. there's so much effort that goes into training your your ability. The yeah. fact that the Met still doesn't use microphones. And I know they do now. They do now, don't they? I, I forgot. I well, as soon as you said, as soon as oh. it came out of my mouth, uh, as soon as it came out of my mouth, the New York Times article flashed in my head with that they started using them. And I was like, I mean, I will say in the Mets defense, yeah. it's a 4,000 seat hall. It's bigger it's, than it's any bridge, other theater yeah, in the yeah. world. Oh, it's massive. Yeah. It's massive. It's yeah. a barn. It, but as soon as, as soon as I even said that, I was like, okay, I take that back. Yeah. Because I said that and I was like, wait a second. I, I mean, that, that that is indicative of a bigger Most, problem. What I meant was essentially that 
most places yeah. they're not using microphones. Yeah. Well, American opera houses, I mean, everything's bigger in America. Yeah. But American opera houses are significantly larger than the European houses. Like yeah. the Dresden Opera House, if you're even if you're in the last row, you're like uh, not even a hundred feet away from the stage. No, exactly. Yeah. But so um I remember I used to have my voice lessons at San Francisco Opera in the big rehearsal studio they had up there. And I could remember like hearing the room sing at 17 yeah. years old. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I need to do this. Oh, yeah. Um, and also, as a fat kid I, that who couldn't dance, too, who wanted to do musical theater, I knew that I would be pigeonholed as a character actor for my entire career at 17. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm, I'm not... F I actually went up for Book of Mormon once when I was here, and I... They told me, I, this is when I was way bigger. They told me I wasn't fat enough for the show. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay, what am I supposed to do here? Which the, the funny dichotomy of that was for my entire, entire career as an opera singer up until I started losing weight a couple of years ago, I had in a first voice lesson with a teacher who shall remain nameless but is a very big name, this person looked at me and said, your career is never going to happen unless you lose 150 pounds. <sighs> Yep. And I'm like, I'm sorry, that. who's the most famous singer ever? Pavarotti? Yeah. yeah. How big was that motherfucker? Exactly. No, exactly. Like, do you know how good looking he was when he was in his 20s? And then no. nobody fucking cared. It's about the voice. Like, exactly. I mean, Pavarotti. And then what's the, what's his name? The, the blind guy. Bocelli. Bocelli. Yeah. And yeah. No one gives a shit about that. Josh Groban is not... I mean, he, he's he's like the exception to the rule for right. opera singers. And I know every time I bring him up to like real opera singers, they're always like, well, let's, let's we'll, we'll take whatever exposure we'll we skate. can get at this point. We're fight. happy that he's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're, we're happy he's bringing light onto opera, but, but you know, we'll, we'll not talk about him right. as an opera singer. Like, it, it's, it, it's just such an interesting, it's a, such an interesting world. Like the old, old phrase, like when the fat lady sings and this and that. Like, yeah, yeah. of course there's going to be a fat opera singer. But if uh, uh, and there's also other people who are not that at all. I know hundred pound sopranos who create more sound than a fucking train. Oh yeah, no. I mean, it's amazing. But <clears throat> it's it's crazy to me how many singers who are some of the best singers in the world that no one has ever heard of because state companies are not willing to give them stage time purely because of what they look like. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was similar with me. Even coming here doing musical theater, I was told the exact same thing. They're mm -hmm. like, you need to lose 60 or 70 pounds or gain 60 or 70 pounds if you want to work. Right. And you need to do one of the two. Yeah. And it's like, what, what do you... They're like, you can either slim down and get abs and maybe play some leading stuff or... You can be way, way bigger yep. and do the character stuff. And right. it's like, it, it's, it's funny that like, and I'm sure you're feeling something similar. I always think it's funny that I came to this city to do musical theater and to do acting, something that's supposed to be the most liberal and accepting like industry in the entire world. And I finally found acceptance in fucking fashion. Uh, right. Like right. how, how did the entertainment and like the musical theater industry like kind of push me out for like my size and looks and whatnot. And yet fucking fashion is the one those the supposedly the most like shallow and superficial industry of them all was the one that's like, let's give this guy a shot. Right. It's, it's such a, it's weird. It's weird. Speaking of which, so you're here, you're doing opera, you're yep. doing your thing, you're teaching um, very wealthy children chess, mm -hmm. uh, which always amazed me. I mean, the, the, everyone's like, oh, only rich kids take chess. 
Think about back to your childhood. When you were three years old, did you have chess lessons? No. 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 No, you didn't. No, I did not. No, no. I, I had I was told that I couldn't do karate anymore because I didn't practice. Ooh. Like and I was like, wait, what, what was I practicing on? Right. Um, what am I supposed to practice here? Exactly. Isn't that what I do in the class? No, exactly. Um, so when did what how did modeling begin for you? Okay. So you're a big part of the story, actually. Oh, good. So I was, I actually, I left. My, 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 my inner seeking of attention right? kicked like, in. Huh? I'm like, wow, well, good. Huh? Me? Oh, good. Tell me I'm good? I'm glad I'm recording. So <laughs> um, I, I moved back to San Francisco after my five-year mark in New York City because I was like, I'm, I can't with this anymore. And I moved back to San Francisco for six months and uh, was like, the, uh, leaving New York was the biggest mistake I ever made. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, so I was there, and at the time, I had been using the same headshot since I was 17. I also had headshots that lasted way too long. Mm -hmm. So I'm with you. Yep. And I mean, in the opera world, it's not as important as yeah. it is for acting or other things. And I was like, I'm a broke musician. I can't pay for headshots. And it was right around Christmas. Especially not in New York. New York, they upsell headshots. And it's stupid amount. Any any actor listening right now, do not spend two thousand dollars on your headshots. Just fucking don't. Go to modelmayhem.com. Yeah. <laughs> make a profile. There are thousands of photographers who exactly. will shoot you for free. Exactly. That like in in and uh, I I do not understand. But especially like in LA where they need to get new headshots every five seconds. They'll pay four or five hundred bucks. Right. Even less. I don't know why it's New York City where they're like, no, you need to spend like twenty five hundred dollars on headshots. Because people you, will pay it. You don't. You do not need to you pay do not. It. You don't need to spend anything. Well, yeah. I mean you should. If you want good work, you should pay for it. But. Exactly. But you can get something that will get you in your foot in the door yep. and get you working from just doing some sort of a barter deal with a photographer trying to build their resume and exactly. trying to build their book. Yep. Exactly. Okay. So I got that out of the way. It's one of the biggest fucking ripoffs it, in the it, fucking truly, world. Truly. So my, my best friend in California, this guy, Chad Goodman, he's a conductor. Um, he had just gotten new headshots with a photographer. He, they, these two guys are my brain trust with this photographer mm -hmm. named Jiang Chen. And uh, this was December 29th, 2015. Um, this also coincided directly with like a lot of major change in my life. I mm -hmm. was, I, as I've grown and gotten older, I've, I've tried to seek less external validation, but like, God damn it. Validate me. I've externally. tried too. I've tried too, but it's always going to be there. Right. And yeah. like, there are certain things like when you're the little fat kid, like, especially when you're like this, I was terrible with girls when I was a little kid, primarily because I had no confidence and I didn't think that I had anything that was worth loving because of what I looked like. Same, and same. Absolutely. Yep. I had to, I, this, I, we said this earlier. I don't know if it got cut out in the weird glitch, but we yeah. said this earlier. It's like, I could, um, there was I had to be providing value because who I was wasn't enough. So yes. it's either me being funny, me even just giving people rides, giving girls rides, giving like I had to buy people stuff. I had to show value mm -hmm. other than who I was because who I was wasn't. And how fucked up is that? Oh yeah, because I'm like there would never even even when I did have girlfriends because I did I was like oh I'm tricking them. Yeah, I am somehow Dude. tricking them into dating, or they're me. tricking you. Yeah, that was always something that was in the back of my mind of like this can't because like I was bullied a lot when I was a kid too yeah. and like people did pull some shit like that with oh, me yeah. but like it was always something that was in the back of my mind of like this can't be real like something good like this can't be happening oh, no. to me 
And so at the time, I, I had met this girl through Chad, my best friend, who was a ballerina at San Francisco Ballet. And like yeah. when I tell you I'm, I was fighting out of my weight class, I was fighting out of my weight class. Oh, I know. I'm married out of my weight class. I don't, you don't, right. don't got to lie to me. Right. So, and, I, <clears throat> like, and I fell madly in love with this person like, yeah. to an extreme extent. And so um, I will never forget after the, the night we kissed for the first time, the next day, the like shame and guilt spiral of like, no, this was a, like not a real thing. There's no way this yeah. could be real. Um, I, the anxiety level was just cranked up to a thousand. So I drove out to Oakland and I walked around Lake Merritt and I got really stoned, uh, cause I'm a California kid. And then I went to a Chinese restaurant and I bought an entire Peking duck and I went home and I ate the whole duck by myself. Oh, that sounds great. It was, I, I have never so been you, sicker. Do you emotionally like, did you like growing up? Did you eat too? Food, yeah. Food was, I would food like was my honey. same food was my big comfort, mm-hmm. especially when I found it, when I started work, it got really, really bad when I was a teenager and I started having a part-time job and could buy my own food. Oh my God. That's when I started hiding Domino's pizzas under my bed and Bro, stuff. Dude, yeah. I would, when I was growing up in California, my first two years or my first two years of college, I was, I was living in Walnut Creek and performing all over the Bay area with every opera company. And I would drive hundreds of miles every week. Oh yeah. And like the in and out, the Jack in the box, the, and then oh. I could just hide it in the car and no one would ever see my shame. Like, oh yeah. Oh, it's still even now. It, Laura, mm-hmm. uh, I'll go and I'll have a job either in Jersey or Long Island or Connecticut, like something where I'm just going to drive if we're not taking a plane. And if I like pass off the car to Laura afterwards, she's like, oh, I went to McDonald's, I see. And I'm like, well, I was in the car, you know, heads up. I'm just like, ah, fuck. I, and it is that shame of like, I got caught. Yeah. I got caught eating, which it shouldn't matter what I like. That's the thing. And there, that's another fat kid thing. And I'm like, if people catch me eating a certain thing, that's the worst thing that could happen. Right. Meanwhile, I'm just like, no, I'm a fucking adult and I can eat whatever the fuck I want. What? And I'm not judging what other people are eating. Exactly. So they're not going to like, every time I fast, I go into a fast food place, they're like, oh, of course you're here. Is yeah. like the thing, the thought I yes. have in my head. People are judging me just because I'm here. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I know. And so, so I, and that also like I, I had gotten injured a couple years before that. Like I never really found my identity as far as what my exercise regimen was after yeah. not being an athlete in high school and stuff. And at that point I'd gotten up to like 395 pounds. Oh, wow. And first of all, like it was shocking to me that a person that did what my ex did and looked like her would even be interested in me in the first place. Yeah. Um, and it was that day after the Peking duck incident, which like I felt sick for days, oh, yeah. days. It was awful. And I'm like, something has to change. And so that's when I started going to yoga every day and doing mm-hmm. all that. And when the weight loss really started. Um, and then I did a photo shoot. This was like a month after that. I did this photo shoot with Jiang. I had just bought myself a brand new custom made suit. Nice. Um, and we did this shoot. And there's one photo in particular that when, we, when this comes out, I'll repost. Okay. Of me on a motorcycle. And I know exactly what photo you're talking about, yeah. which is great. <laughs> yeah, and that I I can't even begin to explain the sound that came out of me when I saw that because yeah. that photo shoot completely turned my life upside down. Oh yeah, because it was the first time I saw who I could be. Oh, yeah, and oh but God. also who I was. I was like, that was me. That happened. I did that today. Yeah, that was that's me right now. Yeah, and that really it it. it my confidence was sky high and it really like really was a beneficial thing. And then, um, 
some, I broke up with that particular person. I moved back to New York literally the next day. Yeah. Uh, because I, I needed to be in New York. Um, and I was working at a shitty office job at the time. And I got a text from this random old opera connection I had sending me the link of the whatever press release it was when you got signed by IMG. Oh my God. And so it could have been, I mean, the, the, who did the original press release was Women's Wear Daily, mm-hmm. but then it, you know, was a lot it, of places. It was there. I don't remember what it was. I think it was in like Cosmo or something. Probably. Yeah. I, yeah. I probably. think that was the bigger one. And I remember sitting at my desk, like, cause G Yang, when he sent me all the photos, he's like, dude, you should get into modeling. And I'm yeah. like, nobody wants to fucking hire me as a model. No way. Oh, I was halfway through modeling and yeah. I'm still, I'm, I'm still today. I'm like, why would they hire me? Right. They still, they do think knock on some wood. I'm going to find them. Right. So, so that was a crazy thing. And so as soon as he sent me that article, I shit you not, I looked up IMG's phone number and I called them immediately. Hell yeah. And I was like, who the fuck do I have to send photos to? And I sent them all the photos and they were like, yeah, no, we're not interested. Thanks. Oh my God. Um, and That's I, so I, funny. I kept resubmitting like, you to, should. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Definitely keep resubmitting. I, mean, I, I tell people all the time, they're like, I submitted to IMG and I didn't hear anything back from them. And I was like, I was their only model for like two years. Right. They just started signing new guys. Not because they didn't want to, because they needed to see, there's, there's no industry. They right. don't know if there's any buyers yet. Right. I was like their test subject. Exactly. They're like, let's see if people will pay for this. Right. Yeah. And they will. I yeah. mean, and, and they still haven't even tapped into all of the opportunity We're that's not even the market. Close. Because there We're are definitely there are more guys like you and I than there are guys that look like uh uh who is it? Sean Mendez did that yeah. big Calvin Klein campaign. Yep, yep, yep. Right? Yeah. Like sure, in New York City we'll see a lot of those cut up guys like that, but if we go around the rest of the world No, exactly. Mm-hmm. You're not see you're seeing it, it's it always amazes me. It, fashion even though Fashion is, at the same time, the most progressive, quickest changing thing in the world and the absolute slowest we're not going to change anything because a lot of it is the old guard doing their thing where they're like, no, this is the way we've done it for the last 50 years. We can't change it. This is what has been successful for the last 50 years. So that, that's, that's kind of what they do is they just keep it going the same way. So trying to get them to use new models or new body types specifically. Mm -hmm. I mean, the women's industry had to knock down that door for decades before they finally started doing it. And now the only reason people like you and I are getting the opportunities is because the women did all the work first. They were the proof of concept. They were the ones that are like, see, people do it. And now then we kind of show up and we're like, hey, we'd like to do what they did, but a whole lot faster and not put in the work. (laughs) Right, right. Thanks, girls. Thanks, girls. That's the thing. Everyone I talk to, like Marquita Pring, Ashley Graham, they've been modeling for like 14, 15, 20 years. They've Mm -hmm. been modeling since they were like 14. Right. And, you know, just in the last three years, it's been like such a big mainstream boom. Right. And... And, and and we're trying to sneak our way in. Exactly. <laughs> in the meantime. But I mean, you know, it it, it it it's important for everyone to be represented too. Absolutely. I mean, it's you know, I think that so much could be. It, it's yeah. Without getting into like a whole other conversation, I just think it's so important that everyone, like every subset, should feel represented. Because everyone like, should be have it's 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 not just the feeling of being validated. And feel and like when you feel represented, it's it's almost normalizing. Yeah, and that's a big thing because I know people of size grew up most of their life not feeling normal because mm-hmm. they didn't look like the other kids. Right. So seeing someone closer to their body type in a magazine or in an advertisement mm-hmm. makes them go, "Oh, 
oh, there are people like that. Right. Because as little kids, we seem to think that there aren't any people. There's our family members who are bigger and are, you know, the people in the neighborhood are bigger. But other than that, I'm watching TV. There's no, there's, there's one fat guy. He's funny. And then the rest, everyone else is ripped. Right. That's what the world is. Right. Right. Like, we need the world to like hire you and I to star in a rom-com. Yeah. We need, we need a big guy. The fact that, like, <laughs> the fact that like. Friends was supposed to be a group of average New York people. It, you know what I mean? I'm just like, you just had like six beautiful people mm-hmm. doing beautiful people things. Right. And it, it's, uh, it's very, and you know, all of the people who looked like you and me were the funny one-liner characters exactly. that did stuff. Exactly. I know. So frustrating. And it's changing. There's a lot of good stuff coming out now, but it's, it's, it's we're just scratching the surface. Right. Well, I mean, it it's, it's important to keep scratching that surface too. Cause like you look at someone like Adi Del Valle. Yeah. I wish, I wish I had someone like that oh when I God. was a little kid. He, he has more confidence more bravery i should say because Mm -hmm. he's like you and me where he has the exact same fear but he has taken it upon himself to put it out there so for people who don't know addy uh you should he was on this show everybody um but addy davage he's just an incredible yeah you did it's fine but i did too when i first met him um but it's addy davage and he um is He's a, he's a much he's much bigger than your average model. Like he's probably he's probably the biggest guy doing it right Definitely. now. Definitely. And he knows that. And he is not your stereotypical model. None of us are, but Addy is definitely the biggest person doing that. So, he's while, you know, people like you and me are pushing everything forward for like the average guy, mm-hmm. Addy's the one who's taking it a step further and like really driving home what body diversity means in the men's space. So, yeah. Love you, Addy. Love you, dude. <laughs> love you, dude. Like, so I much. wish I would have had someone like that, <clears throat> like that to look up to. When I was oh, a yeah. Kid. That would have been a, a complete and total game changer for no, me. No, absolutely. I would say the same thing, and people are going to get tired of me saying it, but for years in interviews, I've been saying, like, if John Goodman was ever voted Sexiest Man Alive when I was a kid, my whole world would be so fucking different. Right. It would just be... It would be amazing. Yeah. So when was your first, um, so you had these, you finally have this confidence now that you've seen these, that what you could look like on film. Um, when was your first like act, like modeling job? When did you first finally November. get into it? No. <laughs> get out. No. Yeah. No, every, literally, uh, except, uh, okay, that's not completely true. I did a shoot for Gruff and Tumble, the like uh, plus size underwear brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, that was like a random offshoot, like favor to a guy kind of thing. Okay. Like they're brand new. I liked the product. I liked the vision. I'm like, yeah, I'll help you out. But like yeah. my first real job was November. Get out. Yeah. That's so funny because I've known about you for so long. I've thought since I've, I've, I've known about you, I'm just like, oh, here's another male model. Mm-hmm. This is one I know. And then I found out that you and my wife knew each other. <laughs> it was, it's crazy, right? I know. It's so, it's so funny. New York is the biggest small town right. in the world. Everyone knows everybody. Well, the funniest thing is like the first time that I realized we were kind of, we were like one degree separated from each other is uh-huh. when I... I got my job teaching chess to three-year-olds when I was in Edinburgh doing the Fringe Festival in the summer of 17. Okay. And I met another tutor when I was like drunkenly gallivanting around Edinburgh one night. He was flyering for his show and I went uh, to see it and boom, a friendship was born. Yeah. But then his friend came to visit uh, and we were talking. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a plus-size male model. He goes, oh, yeah, one of my tutors, her husband's a plus-size male model. Oh, my God. And I was like, wait. 
who? Because at the time it was like you and that was it, right? Yeah. And I was like, he goes, I don't know, Zach something? I was like, Zach fucking Mika? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, it's it's very weird to like realize because you know for me it's this whole thing's happened in three years right and I, but, it, but at the same time it's like it feels like it's been going for a long time where mm-hmm. it's where we've kind of all broken off and are like establishing our own little paths but the industry as a whole while it's starting is still as we said before not even scratching the surface of what they could be using guys for yeah. you and I when I were talking earlier that now what happens is. There's kind of like in in women's brands too. People are itching. Brands are itching to say they are inclusive, mm-hmm. but they're terrified to use inclusive models. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they'll take someone literally like a size bigger than normal, and be like, "Look at us, we're doing." Because there's still so many of the guys, and a lot of them I'm great friends with, and a lot, and they're doing great work. But there's a lot. Of, there's still so many people um, in the guys space that are just still that typical like chiseled v-cut look but mm-hmm. they don't have the uh sveltness of of like the traditional male model right like they'll be like bulkier muscly or and i've noticed like a lot of brands are like terrified to kind of push the envelope by showing someone with a belly by mm-hmm. showing someone with love handles or man boobs or fucking a neck roll or whatever right. but meanwhile i know people like you and me who are trying to purchase these clothes when I see someone w- with a six pack, I get pissed. pissed. I'm just like, I don't want to. I'm not gonna. Okay, good. I'm glad he looks great in this. Right. But it's like I don't. You it, know. So Target was my first real client. Yeah. And that was a really cool full 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 circle thing for me. I don't know why that was so hard to say. Um, <laughs> but a really cool full circle moment because when I was a little kid, Target was like the only place I could buy clothes that fit me. Yeah. That oh, was yeah. it. And so for them to have been my first major client was the coolest thing of like, all right, so like, not only have you been here for me my entire life, but now you are the, the resp- you, yeah. you are my first client, my first real big job. Like that was so cool to me. Target was great about pushing into like men's big and tall. Cause they did it with no fanfare whatsoever because mm-hmm. yeah. they were my first client. And they just did it. Mm-hmm. And then there was there was all of these news articles pushed out. But I was on their e-com site. I wasn't on, in a campaign. I wasn't doing anything huge. They weren't being flashy. They just started using me. Right. And then they just started using other guys. And they've, they've done a really good job of like using bigger guys, using diverse models, and never mentioning the fact that they're doing it yes. once. They just do it. Do it. Which I love. Yeah. I do love that. Right. That's how you're diverse and inclusive. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you don't just... make an announcement that you're doing it. Yeah. Because how many times have we seen announcements where they're like, oh, they're using a plus model, whether it's male or female, for the first time. And then you see who they're using, and you're kind of like, wait a second. Are are they like, I remember there was this big thing recently that came out about, I cannot remember her name. She, um, and she signed to my agency, so I should remember. Her name. <laughs> um, but it was a new Barbara Plavin. Okay. Barbara Plavin is who it is. She's a great, she's an amazing model. She's an incredible model. And she became one of Victoria's secrets, new angels. Mm. And all these articles came out about how, Victoria's Secret was finally using a plus-size angel. If you know who Barbara Plavin is, 
I think she weighs 115 pounds. She's a gorgeous girl. She's a gorgeous girl who is by no means plus size whatsoever, but because she was curvier and has a little more meat on her bones than the average one. They try, like, in, in Victoria's Secret defense, for the first time I'll ever say that, because I think Victoria's Secret's garbage. Mm-hmm. In their defense, they did not say we casted a plus-size model. Some bloggers did, and then it became this big controversy. But that happens all the time, where you're right. just like, that person's not a plus-size person. No offense to that person. I'm sure that they've had a long, rich, like, painful life, but they did not go through... they. If you haven't been a fat kid, you will never know what it's like to never, be a fat kid. Never. And we and like even me and my wife, we've got like and I remember early on in our relationship, we got into arguments where she's like, Why can't you just do this? Why can't and I was like, You don't understand. And like she very quickly learned that talking about my weight or weight loss or anything, even in the most helpful and innocent ways, mm-hmm. is an instant trigger. We're gonna get into a fight. Yep. I'm like, you don't, you never know what it's like to mm-hmm. to be told every single day that you are fat, every single day that you are not good enough. And I know, like, if you were never a fat kid, it's just something you're not gonna get. Do you hate going to the doctor? I won't go to the doctor. Yeah, unless but, I yes. like have to. Yes. Yep. Because they tell me the second I walk in, you need to lose weight. You need to lose weight. Fuck you! I need to lose weight. I go in with like, I uh, recently I went in with shoulder pain, and they're like, "Well, you know, if you lose some weight, it'll feel better." I said, "How? Right. How the fuck? I'm not carrying my. It, 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 maybe if it was my knees, I'd give that to you. It's my fucking shoulder blade. What are you talking about? Right. I have issues, and like it, it's uh it." it that's a whole different thing because doctors, they're, you know, there's studies on it. There's studies that there's weight bias, that people, doctors spend less time with heavier people mm-hmm. and they're quicker to diagnose them without examining them, without doing anything. There's a really good poem I saw and I wish I could remember her name. It was, it was on Button Poetry's page and she had a poem that said, uh, skinny girl walks into a doctor's office and says, doctor. My arm hurts when I do this. And the doctor said, well, don't move your arm like that. Fat girl goes into a doctor and she says, doctor, my arm hurts when I move it like this. And the doctor says, have you considered weight loss surgery? And it's so fucking true. Accurate. Because it's, it's, that's, that's, that's what happens. Everything comes, all, every health malady comes down to our weight. Yeah. I'm not a doctor and I don't know how much my weight does affect my life, uh, does affect my health. I know that um, I don't have diabetes. I know that I don't have heart problems. Mm-hmm. All these things that doctors originally tell me I'm going to have or going to develop. Or, and, mm-hmm. and it's it's one of those things where it's like, no, I can't go to the doctor because if I'm going to the doctor because I hate doctors... It's because of a specific thing. Right. I had a doctor comment on my weight when I went in for an ear infection. Like, like three months ago. I said, I have an ear infection. And they're like, okay, height and weight. And they're like, oh, you know, you really should lose. I'm like, shut the fuck up. My ear hurts. Right. <laughs> Can you look in my ear? We could talk about my fucking gut later. But right. in the meantime, I like antibiotics for my ear, please. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Ugh. Yeah. It's... One of the things, like with opera, the, the 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 two parallel careers happening at the same time with yeah. modeling and opera singing. It was so funny to me that for all of the time and all of the, I can't even begin to tell you how many people in my life who have paid two hundred dollars an hour to to teach me voice, whatever, yeah. that have told me you're not going to have a career because of your weight. Oh yeah, 
And even after I actually, like so many, I can, I can name, and I'm not going to, I can name 20 different people that told me I had to lose 150 pounds in order to have a career. Jesus and Christ. And I did. Yeah. And people are still telling me I have oh, to lose I know. weight. Also because the, another thing about thin people who tell you that, they ha that you have to lose weight, they have no idea how much the weight they're quoting looks like. Yes. Because I've done that too. They're like, you need to lose 50 pounds. I lost 50 pounds. And they're like, oh, well, you don't have a six pack yet. I'm like, yeah, because that's not how fucking it works. And like when I tell people, because I weigh about 300 pounds, and mm -hmm. when I tell people that, they're like, oh my God. And I'm just like, no, no. If weight is not what you think it is. Right. You're also super tall. No, exactly. Like, it's, <clears throat> and you're very evenly distributed. Like, and, it's, yeah. No, like, and it's just one of those things, like, people, it goes back to what we were saying, where it's like, if you haven't been a fat person, you just, you're not going to get it. And you can empathize and you can be an ally and you can sympathize, but I'm like, you don't. Mm -hmm. You, do, you don't get it. And right. It's, and it sucks. And we'll always hit like an impasse of mm -hmm. like, oh, we can't keep talking because you don't. You, you don't, don't get, get it. it. Yeah. You don't fucking get it. Right. Like, and, and you can tell me about your green juice and all this stuff you're helping. It's like, that's the other thing. They're, people are so quick to talk to you about their diet. Mm -hmm. Um assuming that I guess I'm just housing cheeseburgers all day. Right. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, yeah, salad. Yeah. I also what, had a salad kale? for lunch. Exactly. I had, a, I had a guy at the, my roommate works at Equinox, so I get the friends and family discount Thank at the God. super fancy one on 67th, the sports club. Oh. And I remember I went to a yoga class one time and I am a yoga every day kind of person. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty, I, I'm I, a narcissistic ego statement. I'm pretty fucking good at yoga, right? Yeah. No, and of this course. like douchebag lacrosse bro is in the class. He's wearing his like camouflage Nike pro leggings and oh you know, show, he's shirtless and he comes up to me and he's kind of like, uh, yeah, hey, well, you haven't seen you here before. You ever took this class? And I was like, no, never taken it before. He goes, it's, it's pretty hard. I went, good. I want a hard class. Yeah. And he's like, it's as if he's like feeling me out like, hey, dude, no, you, your fat ass doesn't belong here. It's like, yeah. fuck you. After I went up to him, I felt petty afterward. I had had a shitty day and I felt petty. Yeah. So I decided to go up to him afterward. I was like, man, you look like you were really struggling in that class. <laughs> and I just left it. I was like, nope, stop. You're being an like, no one needs you to be an asshole right now. And I just oh, walked I away. Oh my God. But it was like, it was so frustrating. Cause it's like, you, you none of us know, nobody knows. No, we no have, one knows anyone's situation. Right. And we make judgments on people's looks. We automatically judge their health, their abilities and, it's fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. It's fucking insane that we do that yeah. because your health is between you and your doctor. End of list. Right. If you go to a doctor, good for you. For right. going to, and I do. And it's not like we. I never go to doctors. Right. But I don't, and I'm not going for. Mm -hmm. I go for when I am like, you know what? Let me just. I go. I wouldn't say I get a yearly physical. I definitely, let's say 18 months. Every 18 months, right. I'm like, let's just make sure everything's still good. Right. I, and then what I do is I get, I sit down, they check everything, they do blood work, everything looks good. And, oh, and because I don't have a regular doctor, it's a different doctor each time. Mm -hmm. Also because I'm, you know, in the creative field, I also have different insurance almost every year. Yeah. So because of that, I don't have a regular doctor because one takes one insurance, one does exactly. another. So it's just a new guy. So I'm like, let me go to this new guy, get a physical, have him tell me I'm fat <laughs> right. and just move on with life. Right. And then have the, the, him call surprise the next day with my blood work. Like, Everything looks good. Yeah, uh, we didn't expect yeah, that. We didn't expect that. You're just like, yeah, yeah, okay. Right. Thanks, buddy. Dick.
Yeah. It, oh, well, man. and the fun, and so for so many years, people to and cur still currently people telling me I had to lose weight as an opera singer, and then I lost all the weight, grew my hair out, got a modeling contract, and then they're like, actually, you're too small to be a plus size model. Oh my god! And I was like, wait, 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 wait. What waist size? What do you mind me asking? What your waist size is? I'm wearing 34 pants right now. 34? Jesus! But they're also they're also stretchy. I mean, I'm small compared to everyone else. And that's the thing. Yeah, you're. It's just that's there's there's no settled. What does a plus size male model look like? Our right. body types are so different right. for each person. Yeah, but like, and and that's the thing. But you by no means would be a straight size model. Not even remotely. Yeah, I'm, not my even shoulders close. are too broad. I'm too fat. I, exactly. My boobs are too big. Like, and and it's interesting because like I had a I had a meeting with my agent a couple a couple months ago where I was like, part of me is torn to whether to whether or not I should gain a bunch of weight or just lose all of it, because I I don't know what to do. I you know. Ugh. Uh, you know, I'm not six five, so I can't. The answer compete. is, and it sucks. And there's no, the answer is you have to be patient yeah. and just keep and just know that it's a changing industry, and that what is going to sell in the long run for us because we are all new to this industry is who we are, our personalities, yeah. our specific work, our specific look we will then get requested because of that. Right. And because what happens is they're still trying to follow the traditional sense of fashion mm -hmm. where they're like, okay, because I've, I've seen them try to qualify it too because now that they're like, okay, we'll do plus size modeling now. Now this is the sample size. You have to be a 40 or a 42 like right. the, or, or 38. It's usually between those three. Right. And they're like, this is the new sample, so you have to hit this. And it's like, wait, no, we just broke out of one you know, restrictive box. And because this is the way the industry ran for so long, your instinct is to make a new box really quickly right. so we could all be in that one. And it's like not true because as you said, you line Yumi and Addy up where three professional working plus size male models with three very different sizes yeah. for everything. Right. So it's, right. ugh. That, and that's it. it we, we just got to be patient and yeah. remember that. Yeah. But it's I'm like, this is still brand new, Zach. This yeah. is still brand fucking new. Yeah. Yeah. And it's frustrating too, because like there is such an emotional tie in to this for me where it's like every time I get an option or every time I find out that I didn't get a job, it's yeah. crushing. Oh, it hurts. Because I'm like, because so it's like, am I not, am I not good enough? Yeah. Am oh, I, no. Am I, is my story not interesting enough? Like, yeah. am I not good enough on camera? This and that. It's like, and especially for just for me personally, because I, I put so much investment in being able to be that role model that I never had growing yeah, up. Absolutely. That I'm like, fuck, there's another opportunity lost to get to that point. And, and that opportunity usually doesn't mean anything. You, nine times out of ten, because I'm the same. I, I'm optioned constantly. Yeah. I lose the vestment. I'm lucky enough. I do work regularly. Right. But for every job I have, two of them put me on options, strung me along, and let me go. Right. So it's like, it's just the constant thing. But then I have to remind, remember that it's it doesn't it's not because of me. I it'll feel like it's because of me every mm -hmm. single fucking time. But it could have been <laughs> simple as the pants showed up in a, the amount of the amount of jobs I lost because the pants showed up in a different size or yeah. like the sample was smaller or bigger than they thought is staggering. It right. usually has nothing to do with you, but it oh yeah, it goes right back to 
the wanting to be seen and wanting to have attention and wanting people to say that they like you. Right. And also, I mean, if we're being honest, I want the money too. Oh, of course. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, it's not, I mean, listen, I mean, my rent's paid for the next three months. Great. Yeah. I don't (laughs) want to stage capitalism. (laughs) Exactly. I'm not going back to bartending unless like, unless I have to. Right. (laughs) But, but I'd I'd like, I'd really like not to be a bartender. I mean, go back to bartending for a year and then run for Congress. It seems to work out pretty goddamn well for people from New York at this point. Oh man. She's my favorite. I love her she's so the best. much. Exactly. Oh Maybe I would. She's way smarter. Than if you're me, if you're a bartender and you're like also brilliant, you should run for office. I know. <laughs> I know. People go skills. for it because apparently you're. Yeah, exactly. You know how to talk to other human beings. Right. She's really fucking good at her job. She really, really is. Oh I love God. AOC. I do too. But no, it, it's it it. There is that little part of us that just needs that. That just we just need a thumbs up. We just need to be told we were we were we did good. Right. And that's and every time we get that lost option, that rejection, it's like, oh right. we, we didn't do good. Because it's like adult Alex's wallet and inner child Alex is both just like hurting. Oh, yeah. both. For me it's a little uh, yeah, it's definitely both. Yeah. It's the I don't want to go back to uh, working seven days a week and <laughs> and also I need someone to tell me I'm pretty. And yeah. That, things are right. Good. Right. Who's not my mother. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> even your loved ones. Like, you know, my wife is very complimentary to her. And even there's that little fat kid in me. I'm like, yeah, but you're, you have to say that. Right. You have to say that. So what's really funny is a lot of the parents I, whose kids I teach follow me on Instagram, uh-huh. which is which is like, I'm really careful about what I post, but I'm also not that careful about it. Oh, totally. Because like, God forbid I'm a human being, right? Yeah. And I think it's really interesting and really important for, you know, I consider myself to be a role model for all these little kids. Like a lot of them see me for a number of hours during the week. And I think it's really important to live wholeheartedly and show people, especially within a certain realm of society who like these people are going to be the power, so to speak. Like, I can't really get into the details, but there are some families that I work for that like are in the news constantly and are yeah. not the best people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's a, and I'm, I'm like, all right, future, we're dealing with future generations here. Yeah, let's not, exactly. let's not judge based on the sins of the father. But I think it's important that like, you know, the positivity that I live every day with, and the, 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 the way that I feel that everyone matters and everyone should be represented and that we are stronger through diversity and yeah. inclusion that like, it's really important to show like, especially the little fat kids in all my classes get extra love. Oh, they have yeah. to, they have to, yeah. I'm not, it's the same. I did children's theater for years before mm-hmm. that. And it was, the, I'd, I'd find the little fat kid mm-hmm. and just be like, and what did you like? What was your favorite part of the thing? Mm-hmm. Just because I'm like, you need to like, it's it's so needed. Mm-hmm. It's so needed because they don't get that. Because also, and we I remember make... every single teacher, every single scoutmaster, every single anyone who was that tiny bit nicer to us. Mm-hmm. We we remember them for the rest of our for the lives. rest of our lives. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Oh, Alex, this was so great. You too, man. We I ran had so out much of time. Fun. Sadly, we're gonna have to do this again because this was fun. I'm down. Um, everyone, please follow Alex on the Instagrams. Uh, Frankel the Lionheart-headed, haired, haired. I know. Frankel the Lionheart. Are there underscores? In uh, there? Al- I, I changed it actually to Alex Frankel the Lionheart. There's, yeah. Uh, there Alex, was a okay. So yeah, yeah. Alex the- Frankel underscore the underscore Lionheart. You'll find it. I promise everybody. We're going to link it, so don't you worry. Everyone will find it. This was a blast. We will talk to you guys soon. Awesome. All right, bye-bye.
right, everyone, please follow Alex on all of his social media. And don't forget to follow us on all of the social medias, at Zach Miko, Z-A-C-H-M-I-K-O. Thank you guys so much for listening ever a single week. I love you all very nearly and dearly. If you haven't, like, rated or subscribed or, you know, all those things you do for podcasts, please do it. It helps us out immensely. Thank you guys very much. Please enjoy your week. I'll see you next Monday. And until next week, remember to go out in the world and do big things. Ba-da, ba-da, ba-da.